Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. We are powered by Gordon Food Service. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We are super excited today because we have got Mr. Hal Holdenbach, as well as Chris Winters from White Squirrel Farm on this episode, and I'll tell you some backstory. Hal has been on the show, this will be his third time, and Lachlan Table uh, is one of my favorite restaurants in the entire city, and if you've listened to the show, you hear me reference Foods in Season and Hal talking about his vegetables, because you go to Lachlan Table and you eat vegetables, and you're like, damn, these are the best vegetables I've ever had. I don't know what you do with them, and so I asked him one day, I said, what, what's the story with your vegetables? How do you make your vegetables taste so good? And he said... I buy from a really great provider, a local farmer, and he produces foods that are at the peak of their season, and that's when I serve them. And so I thought that was pretty brilliant. I mean, it's pretty basic, but it's pretty brilliant. And today uh, we're talking with Chris Winters, who is the owner of White Squirrel Farms, and your mind is about to be blown because the things that this guy is doing at White Squirrel Farms, I don't, I mean, I sold produce for 10 years, and I didn't know this was a thing. And it answers the question as to why Hal's food is so damn good. It's really uh, quite amazing what they do. So uh, I'm excited to share this interview, and I would love to hear your feedback. Tell me if your mind gets blown the same way that mine is, because holy cow, this is a fun interview. We do this interview at Lachlan Table. I t- basically packed up the studio and took it out there to Lachlan Table. So this episode is coming for- to you from Nashville Restaurant Radio East, at Lachlan Table. So there's little sounds behind us. It's a restaurant. Things are happening in the building. So apologize if me that that comes through. But uh, super fun interview, and I'm super excited to share it with you. I do want to say I'm even uh, also very, very excited that one of our sponsors, Poached, Poached uh, Jobs, Hospitality Jobs, is extending their free posting for the month of October. Wow. So the month of September, they did so well. So many of you jumped on and started posting your jobs for free on poachedjobs.com. You can go to nashvillerestaurantradio.com. And if you go there, you can click the sponsors tab where you will see poached jobs. Click the link there, take you directly to it. And if you do that, I appreciate you going to nashvillerestaurantradio.com and clicking the sponsors tab and hitting that link because it is a special link that shows up that you found poached through Nashville Restaurant Radio. I would love to get the credit for that. I want them to see a little return on their investment. So if you go to nationalrestaurantradio.com, hit the sponsors tab, Poached Jobs. Let me tell you a little bit about Poached Jobs. Um, They are based in Portland, Oregon, uh, and they are founded in 2011 by hospitality veterans. More than half of them spent years working in the hospital industry, and many of them still actually do. So... Poached is the nation's top jobs marketplace for the hospitality industry with innovative on-demand staffing technology and permanent hire solutions. Poached gives employers the flexibility and control needed to decrease labor costs and increase productivity. I don't know if you know this, but they also offer gigs. So if you just need somebody to be come in and wash dishes for the night, you can go to Poached and you can post a job just for that day. Now that posting is not free. 
because you're actually paying for the employee. But if you need a bartender, you need a manager, you need a server, host, whatever it might be, go to poached.com or go to the Nashville Restaurant Radio page and and place an ad. Place an ad for whatever position you need, and it is 100% free. So stop paying money for these other sites. Uh, once it is, once it comes back on, it's only $59 a month, right? So this is a $59 value for each job posting, and uh, it's free for the month of October if you are a listener of Nashville Restaurant Radio. So super exciting stuff here. Hey, I also want to tell you, I don't typically do this, but I had somebody reach out, and her name is Gina Syracuse. And she owns a place, um, it is called Gina's Italian Cuisine, and she's doing a special dinner. If you like Italian food on October the 15th, 2022, you can get a taste of Southern Italy uh, with Gina's Italian Cuisine. There's only 25 spots available. It's $125 a person. It includes three glasses of wine plus Prosecco, uh, and it is uh, at 144 McGavick Pike. You should go check it out. It's something I told her. I said I would be happy to mention it. She's doing something really cool. She's a musician. She's Italian. She is making. Uh, she's making this big Italian dinner. And if you want to go, you should definitely, definitely go. You can give her a call two one five eight zero one ninety seventy four if you would like to uh, partake in that dinner. Some people love Italian food, and this is uh, an opportunity for you to go enjoy that. I also want to mention that my good friends Chad and Gracie over at Eastside Bond Me are doing the Bond Me Project with Bond Me's that benefit the Nashville Food Project. I think this week is Kisser, um, and it looks absolutely amazing. You should follow them on the social media and uh, see who's coming up because, man, Trevor Moran, uh, Herant over at Lyra, uh, this week is Kisser, like I said. Uh, the Michael Hanna was really, really good. And they're going to announce they're going to have a special guest to do the final one. It's a surprise. And you can listen here to find out first. They're going to announce it on this show. Hey, another thing I want to know, let you guys know that is an opportunity here. This studio that we're in, if you want to host your own podcast, we are going to be renting studio time. If you are interested in renting the studio, coming in and utilizing the studio. I've got four microphones in here. It uh, It is something that we are going to start booking out. It is really affordable. And if you need editing, if you need the whole thing, if you just need help getting your podcast off, the, the just starting it, please feel free to reach out to me at Brandon underscore NRR. Send me a DM and let me know you're interested. I'd be happy to tell you more about it. We're in Hillsborough Village and it is set up for audio as well. If you want to do video, you're welcome to bring your own stuff. But I have StreamYard. I can record video. But if you would like to utilize the Nashville Restaurant Radio Studios for your own podcast, we are happy, happy, happy to post or to host you. So um, those are our announcements for today. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this interview with Hal and uh, Chris Winters. Super excited today to join you from Nashville Restaurant Radio East today. We have a special studio set up inside of Lachland Table. I am joined with the chef and owner, Chef Hal Holdenbach, and I'm also joined with Chris Winters from White Squirrel Farms. Gentlemen, thanks for uh, having us here today. Hey, man, what's up? Thanks for coming over to the East Side. Thanks for having us. No, we're really excited. Uh, this is a special episode because Hal is going to be my co-host for this episode. Nice. Hal's going to be helping interview Chris because Chris has been working with Hal since, what, year two? 
How long have you been doing From the get-go. From the get-go. Pretty much from the beginning. Yeah. Wow. More or less. Well, and when you reached out and, you know, talked about wanting to do another show, um, I honestly didn't have a lot to say, I don't think, you know? Like, we had kind of talked about COVID and, you know, the, the mess of reopening and the employee shortage of the past year and a half that everybody's been dealing with, um, all the different struggles. Um, I just kind of grew, you know, a little numb to that and, and didn't know that I had much to say. And, and then I was like, man, let's, let's bring Chris in and let's talk about what it's like to have a real good chef-farmer relationship, you know, and how this benefits so many people. I mean, obviously the restaurant, the farm, but then, you know, the guests, the community, everybody that comes here to, to eat, you know, the wonderful food that is being grown at White Squirrel Farms by Chris and Tracy and Winston and, and all the care that they're doing and, 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 and then obviously harvesting and, and bringing things to us two to three times a week, you know, here at Lachlan Table. Um, you know, Chris and I met year one through a mutual friend, um, year one of Lock and Table, um, and I didn't realize at that point in time just how important Lachlan, or sorry, how important White Squirrel Farms was going to become to Lachlan Table. Well, I think one of my favorite, and I'm Chris, we're going to get to you. We have tons no, to I'm talk about to you. If you've listened to the podcast, one of the things you hear me talk about is how over at Lachlan Table, and I reference this because. I hired chefs at Maribel and I said, I want you to focus on seasonality and I want you to find product that's growing in that season. I don't want asparagus in December. I want the products that are growing in that season to be reflected on the menu. And I asked you, I think it was in our last interview, I said, I don't know how you do it, but your vegetables, like you're just your regular vegetables. If you come in here, you get roasted vegetables. They're the best tasting vegetables I've ever had in my life. And I asked you, I said, how do you do it? And you said, I buy from local farms at the peak of the season when the products are supposed to be grown. And it's kind of an honor to take because I've referenced that like a hundred times on the show to be sitting with the man that's growing those vegetables. So this is really exciting, Chris, to have you here. Thank you so much. And what, what Hal does also over here just to say is not only does he use them when they're in peak, but he goes through the trouble to change the menu, to make adjustments. It's trouble. It's trouble for them. There's no way it's not. It takes work and effort to make changes in your flow. So he basically tries to make their flow match the flow of nature, which is what we're working with more or less through seasonalities. Yeah, and I mean, one of my you know, favorite chefs is Marco Pierre White. And um, one of his sayings is you know, to follow Mother Nature, like Chris just said. You know, she, she knows what's up. And uh, if we follow her lead, um, we should be doing good things. You know, there was an old story about him bird hunting one day, and I'm not sure the type of bird, but the bird was eating a certain berry uh, when he came upon it, and uh, he harvested the bird, and then he went and picked some of the berries, and he made a sauce with the berries. And it's like, how beautiful and brilliant is that? But we're not really thinking that way, I don't think. So it is so simple, it's beautiful, and um, I love the way that we talk with Chris at White Squirrel Farms. He always gives us like a five days, you know, maybe seven days heads up on the last harvest, and then also like maybe a, a heads up on a product that is going to be harvested soon. 
And we've learned how to do that together so that, you know, the kitchen has time to, you know, talk about, okay, these are going away. And like we're in a big part of that right now. You know, summer things are going away. Fall things are coming in. So we're, we're, we're constantly changing, yeah. you know, tomatoes are kind of still here, but almost still not, you know, arugula is coming in, radishes are coming in, kale's coming in, lots of things are coming in. Um, you know, we're just always staying in, in constant communication um, so that we don't miss the first harvest or the last harvest. You know, like it's important to me when you start working with a farm, like your own convenience is, is one thing, but you've got to be there for others as well. I don't want to stop buying tomatoes from White Squirrel Farms four weeks before they're done because then now it's a commitment are, to each there's other. There's a partnership yeah. there. Yeah, it's a yeah. commitment to each other, whether it's spoken or written or not. Yeah. You know. Can we get some background on your actual farm? So where is your farm located? It's in Bethpage, Tennessee, which <clears throat> is in northern Sumner County. Okay. Um, unincorporated area. Been there. Uh, we bought the farm sight unseen, actually, when we were living in California, learning to do some of the vegetable farming uh, on a farm up there. And uh, we've been there since. It wasn't really farmed, and it was farmed back in the late 1700s. Oh, area, wow. So Not really since. It was grazed a bit. Um, very how many raw. acres do you have? The farm is about 30 acres, but we farm vegetables on about one and a half acres. Oh, wow. That's it. So just one and a half acres. Very intensive. How many very restaurants intensive. do you service? Two. You service two restaurants? I service two restaurants right now. Because our intent from the very beginning, there was a point where I had... A point where I had uh, maybe more like eight restaurants, but our goal wasn't to spread ourselves out like that because farming is not all I want to do with my life. You know, we're dynamic people with dynamic interests. So if all I'm doing is running around, I deliver the produce for our farm, right? And let me stop for one second because my wife, Tracy DeLong, really is the reason it works. I'm more into like soil biology, electromagnetism, things like this. She's the logistics. She's the planner. She's the seed starter. But you, you know, have to have that yin and yang to make everything yin work. Yin and yang is everything. You gotta have it's that. rhythmic, balanced interchange. Rhythmic, balanced interchange. That's the way everything in the, in the, in the universe works from soil to human beings. Now we're getting deep. I like it. Yeah. So le- electroculture is what, is what the broad term is that what we practice goes beyond organic of course it's organic definitely no chemicals no chemical pesticides of any nature anything like that that's pretty commonplace these days you know you can go to any major food outlet and find organic options of something um and that's great however most of the issues that come that 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 have brought about conventional agriculture like the need for all these industrial products is because of electromagnetism being out of balance in soil Tell me about that. Like, like so it's yin and we're yang. getting granular here, and I'm good with that. But it's, just like it's yin and yang, so everything is yin and yang, and the rhythmic balance interchange of those energies, every single thing. And I would challenge anyone in the world to find a scenario where that wasn't the case, um, because it's observable in in the soil. For here, for example, we have a limestone bedrock. You see the limestone outcroppings everywhere. On it's limestone city. Yeah, right. That's diamagnetic rock. There's only one energy. But what does that even mean? Diomagnetic. Diomagnetic. D-I-A. Well, I'll Diomagnetic. There's only one energy, but it manifests in the appearance of two and then goes back to one. Just like male, female, they have a baby back to one. Right? Okay. 
just like the ocean, the oceanic field is always there. That's the female. The male is the electric spark that makes the wave. Okay? Um, and in soil, you have, you have bedrock here, for instance, that's diamagnetic limestone. This can be measured. Uh, Phil Callahan is an far American farmer who actually developed a machine for measuring this. Really? Um, a Cal- uh, Callahan uh, soil machine, PSM, PCM, Phil Callahan soil machine, PCSM. That's the name. And uh, they're hard to buy these days unless you find one used. But they can measure the diamagnetic or paramagnetic qualities of rock or anything for that matter, right? So diamagnetic is like yin. And yin energy flows from the earth up toward the cosmos. I'm trained in medical qigong, Chinese okay. medicine. Okay. Like, so this is what I do um, as well. Same concept for when you treat a person. It's treating the soil because everything is the same. Only different, density, different densities of light discern how we perceive the soil versus how I see how. Dust to dust. So the diamagnetic limestone is sending energy up, right? Like rising energy from the earth. Female energy, yin. Cold. You have to balance that out with paramagnetic, which is the other manifestation of the one energy. It's like the yang. So we balance the yang here. In some areas, like let's say in Vermont, where there's lots of basalt rock, or in Colorado, where there's lots of granite rock, you would be balancing with diamagnetic. You'd be balancing with more yin rock. How do you do that? You add the rock. So in our case, we add paramagnetic rock. And what does that do for the soil? So then you plant seeds when you and have, when you have, together they grow when, better? Well, you, you add... so. When you have a balance of yin and yang, and in this case we're talking about diamagnetic rock and paramagnetic rock, they create alternating current. They create life. Life only comes from rhythmic balanced interchange. Wow. So if you're too yang, you need yin. If you're too yin, you need yang. Same way traditional Chinese medicine works. Wow. See, that's a different level. That, that's, that's a whole nother level of farming that I didn't even... I never would have right, right, assumed or even right. thought that people were doing. Right. And, and, and this is very old. It's very old. Do other farmers do this? There are others. We are a small bunch, but there are others. And th- there used to be a lot more. So what does it do for the actual plant? Like you plant the seed, you have these two different, you have this yin and yang. And I've been right. saying yin and yang forever. I was, I'm wrong with that, right? Yes, sir. It's yin and yang. I'll, I'll now know yeah, that. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for the of course. subtle correction. At uh, the end of the day, it's just all sounds. Yeah, <laughs> if you know what you mean, you know what you mean, and I think that's most important. Yeah, I am fascinated by you. All of a sudden, oh, he's he's an amazingly intelligent person. Um, I get the benefit of getting to have conversations with him a number of times a week. I mean, he inspires me. He educates me. Um, you know, if I ever get sick in life, I'm calling Chris. <laughs> like I'm moving to Beth Page. I'm gonna you know, put a tent out in his front yard. Like, I'm going to let him take care of me, you know, because he's just incredibly intelligent. And um, that's all, like, on the other side of yes, vegetables. Yes, that's, that's my side. You know what I'm saying? Like it's at home. I yeah. I mean, the, the whole chef thing and, and all the beautiful, you know, produce that we get here at Lachlan Table, you know, that we get to, you know, cook in our wood-burning oven and, you know, feed to our guests, and they're like, oh, these are so good, these are so good. It's like, well, you know, once again. A lot went into that. It's well, full of energy. Yeah. It's full, you can measure it with an angstrom meter. 
You can the energy Imagine the energy off of a piece of food. Let's get back to this. So you have the yin and yang with these different rocks. You plant a seed, and then those two energies come together to help that life form. It germinates. It sprouts. What is the, so you said there's actual like you have zucchini squash right just a yellow squash that grows you pull that out of the ground then there's an actual energy that you can measure inside that vegetable of course yeah everything has energy you can measure angstroms actually when we first started so we didn't do this stuff in the beginning we were organic farmers right uh, so years go by and you do it whatever successes and failures are always in tandem and um, over time, you may become disinterested, which was my case. And I went to school for medical Qigong, kept farming, not disinterested, but there's more to what we're doing than adding NPK values and, and NPK and nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium. Okay. NPK fertilizer is kind of like basic all purpose, like a, an all purpose fertilizer. Gotcha. Like a 333 okay. NPK, right? And that's what, you know, like if you go to the USDA extension office, in, in, in Gallatin, um, the extension agent will straight up tell you that most farmers are making their money off playing crop insurance games. And they spend more time in the office filling out paperwork than they do doing farm work. And then they go spray a bunch of horrible pesticides because they have all these bad bugs. One of the things about electromagnetism is that when it's out of whack in the soil, the plants that are in that soil give off gases, namely ethanol and ammonia. And the bugs are attracted to ethanol and ammonia to come get high and drunk on the gases. They're not, the plant matter is collateral damage. Interesting. Um, That's I, not, I, yeah. They're not there for the plant. And then, and then, in effect, they draw up the soil-borne diseases by going in the dirt, crawling on the plant. So most of the detriment is caused by the out-of-whack electromagnetism. And then most of the fertilizers that conventional farmers are using are ammonium nitrates, which is putting more ammonia in the soil and it's also a product of bomb making so um, de facto i mean carbon footprint is nothing karmic footprint is everything carbon is beautiful everything is carbon carbon is not our concern so is that a misterm it's not a misterm it's a it's an intentional miseducation of the public tell uh, us about the karmic demonizing side carbon Let's talk about the karmic side of that. I always that. took that as meaning the less distance you had to travel in a vehicle to drop yes, something off. and it does. And in that point, that's great. But it's way overemphasized as far as what's really what. You know what I mean? In my opinion. This is obviously all my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, carbon footprint was definitely latched onto, and I still see places with little posters up about their carbon. And, yeah, okay, but it's a coffee shop, and... Where'd you get that coffee? There was a lot of there was a lot of there's a lot of carnage in certain industries. Mm-hmm. Sure, chocolate, a lot of carnage in chocolate. It's delicious, but that's undeniable. So concerning yourself with how far you carried that bar of chocolate from the factory to the spot it was sold is just not a nice a non-issue compared to how many children might have suffered to get that chocolate. So what I mean by karmic footprint is, for instance. On our farm, we don't use inputs from conventional farming or anything, any, any farm where anything's slaughtered. So we don't use blood meal, bone meal. We use pure minerals, uh, mineral rocks. Oh, wow. Because the energy of fear affects the kidneys. In Chinese medicine, fear, and, and in, all, in all traditional, the Chinese medicine 
it's not Chinese in, in inherently. It's the Chinese taking old wisdom and, and putting it through their lens and doing a very good job because just as a culture, they're excellent at record keeping and explaining and, and writing down, right? So this is old, same as comedic medicine, same, same as many uh, native tribes in the Americas, same concepts through and through. So are you a hunter? No. No. I have no need. I don't know. Are you yeah. vegetarian? I am. Okay. Are you yeah. vegan? Yes, but I don't like the term. Okay. Yeah. Well, no, I just... <laughs> but no, I don't, eat, I don't eat meat or dairy. But beyond that, it's more about, it's more about suffering. You know, uh, if I was, I would hunt it. That's what I was asking. Yeah. Like, if, yeah, you're, if yeah. you're a vegetarian, you just don't eat it because of the way in and which it's sourced time, or farmed, right. harvested. But if you are out hunting the, something for food and you can see the bull in the group and he's an older bull and you can take that older bull so that feel much better so that every the rest of the herd can now thrive and a new bull can come up like if you're hunting that way there's a part of me there though that like that's my perception of the scenario i didn't ask the bulls hey you guys tired of this old bull you can get him out of the way you just took him out of the way be like if there was a person that wanted to take an older relative of mine out of the way i wouldn't look at them like that but if it was a matter of, I mean, that, that's, I guess you can look at now, it like that's people. Not, that's just like my perspective. Hunting and gathering is to, I need to eat food yeah, sure. and there's protein available yep. Yep. as the hierarchy on the, the. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Do what thou will kind of it, it, yeah. to a point. I it's don't just, hunt. That's yeah. not my thing, but I just. I think it's much more honorable for sure. Okay. And, and again, my, my point here is not to tell others what they should do or, or judge it. I'm just telling you what I do. Yeah, sure. Because, because really that's all I'm concerned with at the end. I have to live with me. I don't have to live with anyone else. Well, and I think at Lachlan table too, like we're attracted to small farms. Um, obviously Chris is more intense. I don't know if intense is the it's right the word. It's the right word. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, then, then a lot of other farmers, um, but you know, I think to be general, I don't know if I'm if I can say that we try to just avoid commodity, um, and, you know, whether it's vegetables, protein, you know, I mean, besides white squirrel farms, we also use, you know, Nashville grown Porter Road Butcher, Simpsons meat, um, all Tennessee, Kentucky based situations, you know, um, you know, we don't want to do a lot of, you know, commodity support. Um, for so many of these attached reasons, um, whether it be the, the, the caretakers being treated improperly, the animals being treated misproperly, um, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, and then we can also probably get into at some point, you know, talking about all these, um, all this knowledge and all these, you know, philosophies that, you know, they use at White Squirrel Farms what that result is in the final product of the harvest. And, you know, whether we talk about it being more dense in, in, in nutrition or, um, you know, there again, I, I do like buying things locally um, to, you know, less travel. Um, you know, the, the sooner you consume something that used to be part of the earth, I don't know if it's always better. Well, nutritionally, it's way higher. Yeah, yeah. Ideally, I mean, in an ideal world, we'd pick it and eat it. Right. It's 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 uh, got half life basically. And, and let's talk about that for a second. Like when when it's you nuclear when you text us or when Tracy texts us the the list 
you know, two days before Chris makes the delivery and we gather our, you know, inventory and, and we decide what we need. We build the menu according to what's being harvested. Um, when do you actually harvest that before yes. you come to Lachlan Table? We try to collect the data from you guys just so we can make a plan. And then we, um, most things are done morning of or evening before, depending on the nature of the crop, how it, how hot the weather currently, like in the fall or early winter, your harvest windows are a lot larger than in summer when you have to kind of make sure you do it early morning or, or maybe possibly very end of the day. Um, and again, like these are the things that I'm also highly focused on. You know, I'm into all these other things. We practice all these things, but that's not what I bring to the restaurant in terms of I don't come in and try to tell how or anybody for that matter uh, what I think about anything else, right? I mean, unless they ask because we're friends. I just do all these things because this is how I want to live. And um, for me, I wouldn't be living, I wouldn't live with myself well if I didn't. I, I, th- I find it absolutely fascinating, the idea of a karmic footprint versus carbon footprint. And, and I'll tell you why. I had a girl who worked for me a while back who was clairvoyant. And she said she could feel, she didn't eat meat because she said she could, when she ate meat, she could feel the pain in the meat with the way it was harvested, right? She said, I can't do that. And then she could see, it was just this whole thing. And I was like, damn, this is really fascinating. But the idea that when you're, when you get the yin and yang in the soil and you grow that food that way, that there's a positive energy because you didn't use any of these other chemicals that would affect it a certain way. Like it's growing organically, like, uber organically and then it comes out and it's got a positive energy to it so i mean it's and higher not, yield and a higher yield and a positive energy like a physical energy that you can measure and you think about eating this food that has a positive energy about it and putting that into your body it makes sense when you think about a carbon footprint versus a karmic footprint like not only does it taste better but ingesting it into your body is a whole thing. Like it's it's right. adding positivity and a holistic approach to eating. And let's not let I mean just from Am my, I right? You're exactly right. And, okay, and, and not only it. not only is it that like I don't want to get too focused either on like, you know, there's a lot of fear and trauma for animals, but you also have those energies going on in every agriculture. So vegetables too. If you have yeah. scenarios where the laborers are disgruntled being treated poorly, um, and their thoughts, all thought is light, and all light makes motion. I mean, this is, these, are, these are laws of the universe. So thought creates matter. This is, this, is, this is for sure. And so they're creating matter based off of these thought patterns. Now, I'm not saying everyone doesn't have moments of negative thought, or lots of them, but what we do need to be honest with is what it affects. And so it affects everything. I mean, I, I can only imagine some of the the produce growing operations in the Central Valley in California. I've driven through there a bunch, and it doesn't look like a pleasant place to be. You know, and and that's just and that's a, saying it lightly. Well, I think it's a unique. It's nice having you here to do this, and Hal, thanks for kind of yeah. arranging this. But it's really an interesting process when you look at buying bulk produce from Salinas and you're like there's there it is or you know that the the weather's about to shift down to Yuma right now for all of your lettuce production for the winter time but like that's a labor intensive process to move it down there and like does that 
energy and the stress transfer into the food. And I don't On know. On a mass level, too. I don't know how you measure that, but I think that's cool. It's a really, really fascinating way to look at well, it. Well, and, and just the opposite. We know what he's doing in Beth Page. <clears throat> so when he shows up, we continue that energy because, A, we're always happy to see him. You know, B, we're getting the supplies that we need to cook for the next three days, you know. Um, but then when we prep and we get our knives and cutting boards out and we fire up the wood-burning oven and, and we put salt and olive oil and pepper on these things, maybe another component, maybe not. Um, but then, you know, we put these things in the wood-burning oven and, and, you know, even evaporate a little bit more of, of the water out and, and intensify the flavor a little bit. And, um, you know, people then come in here and eat dinner and they're like, you know, this is some of the best, whether it's a turnip or kohlrabi or collard greens or beets or whatever's going on, um, whatever's been roasted. I'm, I'm talking about the oven now for, for a minute. Um, you know, they're like, what have you done? And what it's like my, my, That's why I'm asking my, my, question. my equation is always the same. You know, it starts with good product and then the caring for the product continues through the whole process. Um, proper preparations, which we do here in the kitchen, and then the execution of service. And then it is in front of the guest. And that's the final destination, right? Or maybe not exactly the final destination, but, you know, kind of on our end. You know, Chris has done his work. They've done their work at White Squirrel Farms. He's brought to us. We've continued to love the energy, you know, put proper technique into it, you know, put it in a wonderful tool such as the wood burning oven, and then ultimately put it on the beautiful summer triangle pottery that's made a block away from the restaurant and served to the guest. You know, all this stuff, all these people that, you know, help Lachlan Table with all these beautiful local, you know, supplies. Um, and I just mentioned something that isn't food related, you know, the pottery, but it's still so important. It's what we build up off of. Um, and all these awesome people. And, you know, a, a word that we've always loved is relationships. Um, you can't do anything great without good relationships. You know, you need other people who have different knowledge, different, you know, uh, whatever they do differently to bring to the table. Um, but when you get all these people, you know, helping on the same project, and that project is Lachlan Table, um, it's just a, a really cool, beautiful outcome that we can be proud of. Like I've always said, if you're embarrassed to answer a question, you need to change something about yourself. Oh, yeah. You know, hey, where did these vegetables come from? Oh, I don't want to tell you, you know. They come I, from a farm. You know, yeah, yeah. Somewhere, you know, across the sea where they were given gas to look pretty on the way over. But they're absolutely flavorless. Um, <laughs> you know. Gas but, green tomato seems so sad right now. No. It, it's it's really like I mean just listening to Chris talk, I'm just thinking to myself how blessed am I, you know, to get to use their product at this restaurant, you know, and we've been doing it now for ten years, um, you know, we just had our ten year anniversary, um, you know, like I said, I think we learned how to use each other a lot better in the first three four years. You know, because, like, I didn't know what to do with Pak Choi. Hal put um, a lot of effort into it. You know, I well, think then Chris also realized the first fall that we were together that, you know, we like sweet potatoes. And I don't think he grew sweet potatoes that year. I did that, that year. first, but I grow them now. Now he, now he, you know, made a spot, 
you know, to grow sweet potatoes. So as we learn, you know, each other's desires, um, and then I, I really, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but because of my desire to buy more from the farm and take the relationship seriously, um, I learned how to use the products better. You know, I want to use almost everything that I can. Um, so like the following year, I, I brought up Pak Choi for an example. Um, we started like cutting it in half and dousing it with like oil, salt, pepper, and charring it on the grill. What is a pak choy? It's like a bok choy, but bigger, right? Same thing. Okay, it's a bigger, it's not like a Uh, baby or regular. The difference in pak choy and bok choy is this Cantonese versus Mandarin, the two different dialects of Chinese language. Okay. Oh, okay, perfect. But then after we P and B's are interchangeable between Cantonese and Mandarin. Oh, so it's basically the same thing as bok choy. Same thing. But just called pak choy. Okay. I I always thought it was a bigger version of There's another vegetable called tat soy. Yeah, which and is it's com- smaller. Yeah, yes, but pak choy, bok choy, Cantonese Mandarin, as far as I understand. Well, you know, we See, this is the kind of stuff we're bringing you on Nashville Restaurant Radio. This is the <laughs> I love it. Well, and we started charring it on the grill, and then like letting it cool, and then like cutting it up a little bit and adding it to a a farro, which we also had other roasted vegetables in. I think this was probably for a, a roasted chicken dish. Um, so, you know, I've figured it out the following year. It's like, you know, I'm not going to let that pak choy get the better of me and, 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 <laughs> and, you know, not know what to do with it when Chris puts pak choy on the list. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Chris. I don't know what to do with pak choy. You know, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to learn how to do it. And, you know, that's what we do. I mean, we get the list of food, and I do this so many times throughout the year. Like, I just did dinner on Main in Kingston Springs where we are using local farm and you know, I'm doing another event called Song and Supper here in about four weeks where we're using a local farm out in Cheatham County. And people want to know what the menu is. I'm like, well, give me the produce list, and then I will give you the menu. You know, I'll build the menu off of what you're harvesting, you know. And luckily, we're good enough here in the kitchen to make that work. And we also have the guests who will come in here when we open and eat that We'll food. try that. You know, so we're able to keep this beautiful circle alive and, and, and moving um, through all these avenues, you know? Well, I was going to say the same thing. You you pull up to Lachlan Table and you see this big, amazing, you know, in the mural kind of in the middle of the, the four, four-way here. And you see the 10 years of Lachlan Table. You do the community hour. You're giving back to your community. When you think about, and you get the backstory on what White Squirrel Farms is doing and the positive energy around everything. And then that entering, there's almost a responsibility that you have that absolutely, my perception of Lachlan Table is that it absolutely matches that. When it comes in the door, there's going to be a respect for the food. And I love Andy Little said, uh, if you take a seed and you grow a potato and you water it and every day for you know however long a month two months whatever it takes to grow the potato when you pull that potato out of the ground you're going to have a little more respect for it Absolutely. than buying a 50 count yeah. box like you're going to do that so i think you continue that level of respect but it's all about the community here it's it continues on as a karmic i love the the the, the karmic footprint of what you're doing for this community is everything. You never hear him say, let's talk about food costs. Let's look at the dynamics of data based upon how many people are walking the door. You're like, no, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to do the right thing. I'm going to produce amazing food and my community is going to, I'm going to strengthen my community. And it 
works. And it's funny like, you that's just said, the recipe. You said food cost. You know, I I, can, I don't even know what we pay a pound for vegetables. You know, Chris might, but like we don't even talk about it. I'm not gonna like, get it. I just I just. <laughs> but my point is, is like when you're is that your dealing, Ferrari outside? That was okay. I'm just when, when you're dealing, and Thomas Keller even said something like this one time. Like when you're dealing with such amazing people who are producing such amazing things, just buy it. Yeah. And, Support and I, him. you know, he, he's not overcharging us. I mean, we're, we're, we're operating a, a business here. Um, but there's but, a respect for that. Again, that same thing. There's a karmic for me. You're not going to. I mean, our, our produce is more expensive than most. And that, that, that's another way in which um, not just because, but because of the inputs, because of the level of responsibility we've taken. And because in general, you know, the food market is a, a, dy- a dynamic place, and um, people, our customers in general of, of any establishment, you know, there's there's a big disconnect between um, what one might pay for, let's say, something that might actually detriment them long term, versus what someone might pay for something that's going to benefit them long term. Let's let's say like you know, an expensive cocktail versus more expensive vegetables. Now I get it fun to drink the cocktail. I'm not saying I don't get the impulsive response. But um, in our opinion, uh, produce in general is underpriced because of the labor. It's intensive. Oh, it's incredibly intensive. And um, that being said, you also need to be able to, like, pay your bills and make a living. We all have to look at our cost, whatever business we're in. But there's a bigger responsibility. And Lachlan Table, we're blessed to have them as our customer from the very beginning. It's a different place. And from, from the inside, from my perspective, I've been in and out, not, you know, not as many restaurants as some, but enough to see how most of them go, and it's a different place. And like you were saying, too, with, with Andy, I mean, I got some box gardens at the house, and Chris helps me with some seeds and stuff, and I enjoy gardening. I don't claim to be on any kind of level. It's just something <laughs> that I enjoy doing. But, I mean, there is something about being a, a cook, who, somebody who loves to cook, um, and like the way that ingredients are just always, you know, so giving to you, you need to give back to them. But like to, to go out and like, I don't care if you're picking a couple chives to put on top of a, a steak or if it's tomatoes and peppers and you're going to make like a little salsa. Like when I'm at home on a weekend and I go out and I'm cooking in my kitchen or I'm outside with a fire. Um, and I go over to my garden and I pick something that I bring into that meal, the level of satisfaction that I get out of that is huge. It means more to me feeding that to my family. It means more to me as a chef, like to have the, and I know that maybe sometimes as a, as a person with a home, like gardening, gardening might be even considered a luxury. Money-wise, time-wise, maybe we don't have the time, we don't have the, the money, whatever. Um, it brings me so much satisfaction to, you know, even this morning, I, I dropped my kids off at school, came home, and for the first, you know, 30 minutes of my day, I spent around my box gardens in the coolness of the morning, you know, getting some things prepared. Um, I got some radishes in the ground. Um, I love that, you know, um, but I also love – I can't obviously do it on a level at the restaurant. So, I mean, what a great thing to have, you know, White Squirrel Farms and um, 
You have mean, you come out and tested his soil quality? Are you doing yin and yang over there too? Do you have different rocks in the garden? I, I, I Are you do, doing this? I do. I do offer consultations. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, it would be mainly. I mean, to home gardeners, sure. Mainly to other farms, um, who are trying to figure that out. So uh, you will, you'll go to other farms and help them do that. Yes, there's more components to this too. There's antennas that actually take electric, uh, tell you tell you're at current, as well as heat electricity from the sun and from the wind. And from the rain, uh, all on antenna heads. And then that's put into the ground. This is uh, designed by Justine Christophe from France in turn of the century. Very, very great, great, great work. Well, I'm blown away. Um, we, we've, we've maybe forgotten a lot of good things as the years have gone by. I don't know if you're as blown away as I am at this point in the interview, but we're going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. You know, what chefs want, some people still call it creation gardens, but what chefs want has been, was our first advertiser on the show. Uh, Monty Crawford saw what we we're doing. He goes, I want to be part of it, dude. I love it. And I just, I love that. They're so perfect because they work with locally owned and operated restaurants better than anyone. And let me tell you how they do it. No minimums, no fees, no fuel surcharges, no surcharges anytime. They deliver seven days a week. They have 24-7 customer support. You can call, text, chat, email anytime from anywhere. Or you can reach them at 502-587-9012. They have a diverse line of products. Their chefs have access to thousands of items across many different categories that allow them to receive fresh product daily. What chefs want is the perfect addition to any broadline company as they've got all of your fresh produce delivered daily, plus custom meats, anything that you need that your broadliner can't get. Give them a call, 800-600-8510, or visit them at whatchefswant.com. We've been talking about having a guy. Who's your guy for whatever you need? When something happens in the restaurant, who's the person that you call? And I will tell you right now, when your fire suppression system doesn't work or it works or you shoot off a fire extinguisher or you need staff training who do you call and i will tell you right now that guy is kevin rose and he is at corson fire and security total protection one source the guy's amazing they do fire extinguishers general fire products emergency exit lighting fire alarm systems fire sprinkler systems fire suppression systems monitoring communications i'm telling you they do everything and when you need it you need somebody to call, and Kevin is your guy. He is the restaurant specialist. He's in all kinds of restaurants. He is the guy. His number is 615-974-2937. And if you're using, if you don't, if you think right now, who do we get our fire stuff from? Who does our fire? If you don't know the answer to that question, you need a guy. You need to call Kevin right now. He will come out and do an audit, kind of check out where you're at. He did this for me in my restaurants, and the previous company we're using hadn't done like everything like they were really not doing a great job at all and so we're excited to switch over to Corson guys this is something that is vital you know you're going to need it at some point who are you going to call call Kevin Rose again that number is 615-974-2932 also really excited to talk to you today about Justice Industries and Justice Industries creates job opportunities for people experiencing barriers to employment by providing quality goods and services to the community while offering employees stability, independence, and upward mobility. Let me tell you, their biggest company is called Just Glass. And what they do is they recycle your glass in the restaurant. Man, we go through so much glass. Why not recycle it? Let's do the right thing for Mother Earth, but also 
support a nonprofit here in Nashville that is helping employ people that need jobs. So, I mean, while we're throwing stuff away and filling up dumpsters, you're paying people that empty dumpsters. Why not separate it? Put the glass in a separate container. Let just just glass come pick it up and do the right thing. So Ellen Peterson, she is the uh, director over there, and you can email her because every single account is different. You need to email her, Ellen, E-L-L-E-N, at justiceindustries.org. Org. She will get you set up. She's amazing. And if you don't need it, tell a friend about it. They actually will come to your house. If you need glass pickup at your home, email her about that too. Or you can visit justiceindustries.org and you can sign up right there on the website. Yes, we've forgotten and 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 they've you know they've been suppressed for, yeah. for, for larger entities to make lots and lots of money. Yeah. A lot of the fertilizer wouldn't be necessary. A lot of the things would be necessary. There's a lot of misunderstanding in um, agriculture in how elements work. They're alchemical, so they transmutate. They transmutate in the soil in fulvic acid and humic acid, which is compost, right? Mm -hmm. That's why compost helps. It's not just because, oh, it adds organic matter. Well, yeah, but it's adding fulvic acid, humic acid, um, which are essentially the same thing. It's carbon, right? It's carbon that's so wonderful. Yeah. The same thing as motor oil. That comes from decaying plant matter, not from dinosaur bones. Any farmer will tell you this because I've tasted decaying plant matter. I've tasted diesel oil and I've tasted fulvic acid that's a hydroponic plant additives. On purpose? No, all on accident. Okay. Accidentally tasted all these. Tasted diesel oil while changing the oil, splashed in my mouth. Tasted fulvic acid, using it to in a reservoir, splashed in my mouth. This was 20 years ago. The taste is unforgettable. Wow. Tasted compost by having it go in my mouth while I'm forking it. It all tastes the same. It's all carbon. It's all the same, and it's all in plentiful supply. I can imagine, yeah. Oil is oil is plentiful. How important is it for restaurants to compost their waste, like for somebody to come pick up their waste and to take it somewhere and, and create organic compost? Well, that's great because compost is needed for this transmutation. So you know how a cow, a dairy cow, will eat grass? right? It's silica. That's all that is. There's not really any calcium in that. That's silica. But what the cow produces is like 22,000 gallons a year in milk, which is almost pure calcium. Plus they have to have a calf, which has its own bones, which is calcium, plus maintain its own osteosystem, which is calcium, right? So how does the cow produce so much calcium if they eat zero calcium? It's because silica transmutates through heat and pressure into calcium. The same way that basalt rock in compost with humic acid through heat and time transmutates into natant lime, which is newly birthed lime, like neonatal unit, natant lime. So it's not the same as adding lime. Yeah, it's it didn't go through that. It's what it is. It's a flux. It's a it's a ratio of polarities and flux. Like things change, right? Like wood, for instance, from a tree is diamagnetic. Until you put it in fire and it becomes what we call biochar, very common agricultural additive because now it's paramagnetic through the use of fire. So it's basic alchemy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm blown away over here. You don't, you don't <laughs> add lime to get calcium is the point. And that's what most farmers do. You know, another thing we believe thing here in. at Lachlan Table yeah, is to, you know, get people on board and let them do what they're good at. You yeah. know, I'm good sure. at cooking. I stay in the kitchen. 
You know, we found Chris. He's good at this. We, you know, are, are blessed to have him. You know, finding people that are good at things and, and using them. And uh, it's, once again, just a beautiful circle. It's amazing. This is amazing. Um, <clears throat> I want to get into we're, we're I don't know how much more time we have left. I know you guys are both busy guys. You got a long day, and, and I was we're fine. late getting here. Forgot I forgot an aspect of the, the recording that is vital, <laughs> so I had to go get it, and I thank you guys for your patience. Um, I don't know. I think it's so cool, the relationship at, at, that you guys work with, and so many people out there in restaurants look at their vendors as these people that are there to – to not help them. And I love the, like there's a, there's a battle against Cisco or, or GFS or, or whoever it is like that. They're trying to or screw even a me tiny farm. and I'm battling against them because it's, everybody's out to get me. I'm a, I'm a, I run a small restaurant, so everybody's out to get me and I'm just trying to battle everybody. And I, I hate that. Like it, I hate that to my core that people do that. I hate that, that, Large companies have taken advantage of small, locally owned and operated restaurants that are just trying every day. I just got back. I just got back from FS Tech. I've been in Dallas all week, listening to huge corporations talk about how they can squeeze an extra percentage out of all these different things, and the idea of just people and relationships and, and doing the right thing kind of escapes them. The the idea of people isn't really there, and I just love the fact that you guys use each other as partners. That it's not a, hey, look, I need to charge you a little bit more because this is what it costs me and I need to make a profit. And you go, yeah, man, I'm getting really amazing quality products. Thank you. You're communicating what you're growing and then you're adjusting your menu based upon what's available in the season. And I think so many people call their restaurants local and farm to table. And there's just this small, well, I'll buy from this large company that sells a few local products. They've partnered with one local farm. Like and I'm the gonna, cilantro comes from I'm a gonna, farm. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying yeah. local cilantro from Bloomsbury, right? who's great. We love Lawrence. Nothing wrong with Lauren, but like, you can't call yourself farm to table if you're only buying cilantro, but the rest of it comes from California and Chile. I mean, that's not locally owned. So I think that the idea of what you're doing, Hal, is legitimately like the differentiator that we all need. When I think like you know, legit. 10 years yeah. ago, 15 years ago, that whole farm to table thing might have been getting thrown around. Um, we never wanted to jump on that phrase. I think a lot of people that did probably aren't or weren't. Um, you know, your guests know who you are. You know, that they know what you're doing. Um, you can look at the website. You can see it on the plate. Um, you know, Maybe a person who's king shouldn't say they're king because everybody knows that. Like, you don't have to say your farm to table is my point there. Um, people know that you are. I you would just never, do it. I'd never you know, yeah, yeah. use that phrase. The truth doesn't have to defend itself. It's like a lion. You just let it out. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. I just like to model this. I want to shout out to you guys that if you're a chef, you're a local owned and operated restaurateur. Find somebody to partner with. Find somebody that you trust yeah. and say, man, help me. Help when me I, get the best stuff. I tell right? people too, man, like, you know, you can't just buy tomatoes in July. Like, this is a year-long thing. You know, and yes, things may not be, um, there might not, not be a lot going on in, in January, February, and March, but there's still something going on. You know, we'll continue to use those things. 
Um, yeah, kohlrabi might be a little bit of a harder approach <laughs> of a vegetable to use, but, you know, could we, like, you know, make a mash with it? Could we use it in a hash along with other, you know, root vegetables for a fish dish Parsnip maybe? and a you know, celery root I and mean, kohlrabi? There yeah. are things that you can do with it to, once again, make it approachable. Um, your guest has to want to order these things. We can't just write an awesome menu and everybody ignore the chicken dish because there's kohlrabi on it. And in four days, we've got a bunch of rotten chicken in the kitchen. You know, like we've got to move that chicken. Yeah. And we do move that chicken. You know, that's another beautiful thing about a small, busy restaurant is nobody has to worry about the freshness here. Like, we have such a small refrigerator, and we're cooking for so many people at night. We're rotating our inventory every day, every other day. I come twice a week, and it's empty. Yeah, yeah. You come here on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, and you'll have to turn sideways to walk through our walk-in. Come in on Monday, and you can spread out. That's amazing. You know, but then we got to fill it back up again. And, you know, another thing about Lachlan Table, when we built it, if I went back in time 10 years, probably two things I'd do different is make the pizza station a little bit bigger so it's a two-man station, and it still can be a two-man station. Um, and we'd probably have a bigger walk-in. <laughs> the walk-in is, is always um, just super full, and, and you got to figure on, on Friday at 3 o'clock, you know, we're getting ready to cook for – I don't know, 525 people in the wow. next, you know, two days. So, you and know, this, no, how no many doubt. seats do you have in here? Uh, I believe inside we're 87. And then with the outside seatings, maybe that's like another 50. Um, but, you know, we're probably averaging 150 to 265 covers a night, you know, Monday through Saturday. And, you know, these people are eating, you know, one to four courses each. Oh, yeah. You know, I, think, I think it's important that, I mean, just to other farmers, I say like, make your own deliveries. This is a big, this is a big differentiating thing. I think most don't. And like, I always have for our farm, it takes a lot of my time off the farm. I leave, it's a couple hours of driving. It's all the time in town. It's a burden in that sense of time, but it's invaluable in the relationship. You can't not come around and expect people to think about you. Yeah. You can't send your stuff, and no disrespect to the third parties that are facilitating, but for the farmer, this is my call to them, like make your own deliveries. You're the interesting person with the knowledge. You're the one who did it. Only you can tell what you did when you were there on your farm alone. And embrace your divinity and embrace your full-on like eccentricities. Well, I'll tell you a cool quick story about, about that is uh, – we just all got to taste some of Jamie Miller's delicious muskmelon sorbet that she made with one of White Squirrel Farms' melons. And I want more. So good. Um, <laughs> when it comes melon time, I'm slightly selfish because I want to take some home to my family. You know, I know when White Squirrel starts bringing melons, I'm like, okay, like... You know, I, I've even wanted to ask Chris here recently, you know, how many melons do you guys think you harvest in a year? Because I don't think it's a big number, but, like, they're so special, you know, the maybe three to four weeks that they're here, um, you know, you're eager for that day to come, for that melon to show up on the list. And we currently have a, a cantaloupe 
um, salad on the menu right now with like a charred serrano, honey vinaigrette, and some arugula and some radish, you know, other things that are currently popping up out of the ground, you know, things that are harvested together, typically go together, I think, you know, if not all the time, most of the time. Um, but when Chris brought some melons, maybe like a week or two ago, I was eager to take one home for the weekend. And it's always difficult to know the perfect time to cut into a melon, you know. And I've definitely been disappointed before when I cut into a melon because I should have probably let it sit for two more days. Or then maybe you let it sit too long and um, the texture maybe becomes a bit off. Um, But I I, I remember I actually walked back outside as Chris was loading up um, the vessels that he brings all the produce in. And I said, hey, man, like, do you think I'm able to – to use these melons or should I wait a couple of days? And he goes into the process of telling me that when I bring you a melon, it's ready to eat because it's in the picking of the melon that I know when the melon is ready. Um, so that was an interesting, just you know, go, just my use wife them. is the one just to be honest. And she is really good at telling when they're ready. Well, and maybe Chris can explain that, but I do want to say I got that melon home that weekend, and I cut it up for my family, and it was delicious. It was, you know, I hate the P word. I hate perfect. I think, like, perfect is more of a thought. But, man, it was just such a nice melon, and I got one in my car right now because I'm taking another one home tonight. You know, and when I cut up a cantaloupe and and put it in my refrigerator, my whole family gets in there and eats on it, you know, maybe only half of it even makes it into the refrigerator, you know, after the cutting um, but man, like a, a musk melon, a cantaloupe from White Squirrel Farms, it's just a super, super big treat. And what are uh, those bricks at? I'm sorry, what? What are they bricks at? Do you test the bricks on them? I do not. Oh, I do not. I'm curious what they I the sugar not. content, like yeah, what sugar? Yeah, no, I, I don't test test the sugar content. Um, it's more about uh, stem hardness and coloration and stuff. Again, my wife is the expert on the melons. As far as when to perfectly pick them. Well, well I'll tell you, and, and whatever tell you that what, sorbet was, was the best damn thing well, I've ever eaten. And not that I would ever not trust or believe Chris, but he was absolutely right. I mean, that melon was beautiful and delicious, and, you know, it's just such a treat. Um, and I think maybe, you know, that is how food was originally meant to be. Like, okay, I'm here for three weeks, I'm awesome, I'm special, and then I'm leaving. You know, and then this is coming. Leave them and, one more. And I'm awesome and I'm know, special. Like, and, yeah. you know, and then you move into this. And then, you know, hey, here I am. And, and what are you going to do with me? And just constantly. And I go back to, you know, a lot of, uh, not to say original thoughts, because there, there's always this or this that I could do. But what can we do different even, you know, maybe, and, and, and bring something different to the table, change up the dish. Don't just do the same dish we did last fall. Like, let's do something different it with it this fall. Um, and that's the challenge, too, creatively as a, as a chef. Um, but, man, when you're, when you're staring at beautiful product, it's pretty easy being a good chef. And, and if, if, if you can't, um, you may have to stare at yourself in the mirror for a while and, and ask yourself if you're doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, like am, I said. Who am I is always a good question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't have to stare too long. Like, I, I know when I'm looking at these things. And, and you know, we'll have managers' meetings. The shoes, sous chefs will get together. And I've always, like, 
as far as menu design goes, I, my brain never stops, man. Whether I'm in the shower, whether I'm driving, um, you know, I've always got a pad of paper on my kitchen counter at home. That same paper travels with me to work, and it comes up on the pizza bar, you know, when I'm prepping, if I need to, you know, write a thought down. Uh, but I'm constantly, you know, my brain just actually won't turn off. Um, it makes it fun trying to sleep, doesn't it? Well, and I, I sleep pretty well when that day, part of the day comes. <laughs> it's time to disengage. It's time to disengage. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard to turn it off, man. But, man, I just I can't. When the ideas happen. Yeah, I can't stop thinking about it. And, you know, I think, you know, I want to give the food, the, the produce that they're growing there, the respect that it's earned, and just see it through properly. I mean, what, what if we treated their wonderful produce horribly? It wouldn't be about money for him at that point in time. It'd be about respect, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's not, although we all need to pay our bills, I get it, but it's not money-driven, you know? That's just, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, that's, uh, that's essentially what the podcast you know, which, is, too. We can all find ways to glean more man. money out of a situation. Well, what you said earlier, you know. too, about the bigger corporations, you know, sucking the life out of the, the little, you know, mom and pops, um, Protein, I feel like that is the case. Like, you want to sell me protein? What's the first question I'm going to ask? How much is it a pound? You know, that's, that's a center of a plate thing. It's like, all right, you know, it's 10 bucks a pound. I'm serving 12 ounces. I got 750 in it. You know, blah, 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 blah. I got 11 bucks in the whole dish. You know, multiply that by whatever your number is. Get your cost. Um, it's funny that we do look at protein, you know, that way. Well, it's and, so expensive. Well, we're less interested maybe in the price of other things. Um, it's not what drives it. it. It's the quality and what we can do with it. And most certainly we can, you know, turn a profit off of it. You know, we have to. We're Like I said, we're a business. Um, we got plenty of bills to pay. But it's just such a pleasure um, to have these relationships and to get these products walking in weekly We've been doing this for 10 years. We're going to die together. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not going to change. Oh, we decided we weren't dying. <laughs> but uh, That's not going to happen, man. You know, it's, it's really become, you know, such a great thing. And that was the whole idea of this podcast was, you know, not just for Chris to, you know, share a lot of who he is and what they do out there, but to stress the importance of a restaurant, a chef having a farm or farms that they can count on and rely on to give the product that, that they want to give and vice versa that vice you're going to sell the product and make the product that they can grow so we'll wrap this up the final thing that we do is the gordon food service final thought and i will tell you that i've partnered with gordon food service because they're the only company that I've worked with over the past 15 years that truly partnered with me who truly felt like had my back. And I think that that was both, again, yin and yang, it's got to go both ways. It can't just be one person trying, the other person not trying. It has to be a, I trust you for what you're doing, and then in turn, can you partner with me? Those are things you can do with anybody. It's kind of how, how you approach things and what your attitude is. So the Gordon Food Service final thought, that was the segue there. You see that, the segue into our final thought. Well Which, Hal, I think you just did a really good version of it. I don't know if you can be able to come up with something else. But this is where we kind of surmise the, the interview. We take a moment where you guys get to say whatever you want to say as long as you want to say it. 
I've learned a lot today. I am going to now take the carbon footprint and the karmic footprint and focus on the karmic footprint. And I think that that's really do the right thing. You know, we're placed every single day. There's an angel and a devil that pops up on your shoulder and profitability and greed versus, Hey, look, let's do the right thing and let's do right by people. And let's, let's partner with people and let's help them. And this is community. What we're doing in the hospitality industry, hospitality industry is service. We're serving others. And that doesn't stop when it comes to your vendors. It doesn't stop when it comes to the food and how you respect the food in your kitchen, what you're doing. I feel like that's a major theme with both of you. And I think that your partnership. Absolutely. That's where you're in a restaurant. You get the, you get, you're going to get blenders. You get blenders. So Chris, we'll start with you. Kind of final thought, like I said, whatever you want to say, whatever, as long as you want to say Somewhat it. Somewhat like what I've been saying, I guess, like, you know, uh, we're very fortunate to work with Hal and Kara and Lachlan Table. Um, like you said, it, to make advance, you have to have something that yields. Otherwise, you got two people pushing against each other. So that's the only way there's the whole is if there's one advancement and one yielding. If both are yielding, you go in opposite directions. If both are advancing, you're clashing. So it's a rhythmical interchange. That, that's my thing. It's a balanced rhythmical interchange of give and take, push and pull, hot and cold. And it's a relationship like that too. The successful relationships grow like life because that's what provides life is interchange that's balanced and rhythmical and respectful. You know, we can have different thoughts on things, me and how, and we're still going to respect each other. We're still going to fulfill our agreements do what we said we're going to do. And if we don't, we'll apologize and we'll accept that responsibility. We don't defer it to someone else. I'm not going to defer my responsibility to someone else. You know, um, exactly. And more than anything, you know, I'm just, um, want to say thank you to Hal and Kara and to my wife, Tracy and son, Winston for, for, for being my partners. I love it. Hal. I think um, to wrap things up for me, you know, growing up and and cooking and becoming a chef and all the studying that I did, you know, all the terminology studying, like everything, I I never knew when I was young, I knew that I wanted to be a chef. I knew that I wanted to have a restaurant. I didn't ever know that partnering with a farm could help me be a better chef. Um, but I think it definitely has. Um, just working with Chris on what's being harvested at the time and, and learning how to utilize it the best, um, it has made, it's made me a better person. It's made me a better chef. It, it makes me, like he said earlier, able to live with me. Like, I do believe in all this. I do believe that it's better to source things from smaller farms as opposed to, you know, commodity farms for all the reasons. Um, but it's just such an honor to be able to do that and to have it here at Lachlan Table. And, you know, overall, I think it results in just a, uh, a satisfied happiness. Um, you know, you're, you're happy with what you're doing. You're happy with what you're doing it with, not just the product, but the people. Um, and, and the energy continues to circle. And uh, the yin and the yang, because I haven't said it yet, um, is, is alive and, and balanced. And, um, you know, I use the word balance when I 
decided to open a restaurant. You know, the, the whole thought process there was to balance work life with home life. Um, because before I was an owner of a restaurant, I was working 70 hours a week uh, to be able to do what I felt like I needed to do to represent myself well in a kitchen. Um, so, you know, the opening of the restaurant was was not just to, you know, be in a little bit more control of my own life um, as a chef and as a person. And I'm pretty happy with myself on both levels. And, you know, I think that I'm able to say that, you know, one of the biggest reasons is, is White Squirrel Farms. Um, like, as, as a Preds fan, you're the seventh man, you know. I always thought that, like, if Lachlan Table had a non-employee seventh man, it's White Squirrel Farms. You know, wow. They're not, not actually on, like, the staff payroll. They're on the payroll. Um, but we would not be who we are Likewise. without Likewise. White Squirrel Farms. Likewise. And I think they would be the hardest um, – relationship to replace wow thought reaction well like he said he started the restaurant out of an attempt for balance in his personal life our farm also started uh we had just had our son who just turned 13 on sunday and um he was i guess about two years old and we started the farm originally basically obviously out of interest and lifestyle choice but also out of, of trying to balance being around and being able to raise our son who we've raised on our farm. So it was also an attempt at balancing our personal lives and professional lives. I mean, Winston has hardly known life without Lachlan Table. Oh, yeah. He's been coming with me <laughs> to deliver since he was a baby. Yeah. So. All right. Gentlemen, thank you so much. It's been an honor uh, transforming Nashville Restaurant Radio into Nashville Restaurant Radio East. I love being over here on this side of town and I love conversations like this where there's a lot of positivity and I love hearing how you guys uh, work together. Again, thank you so much for, for having us here and we'll catch up soon. Thank cool. you so much. Thanks, man. All right. Appreciate it. Yeah, baby. That, I don't know. Are, are anybody else out there feeling what I'm feeling after that? Like just, I had no idea. I had no idea that this kind of thing was happening and I think that We've answered the question why Hal's vegetables taste so good. That uh, cantaloupe um, sorbet was one of the best things I've ever put in my mouth. And um, you should go to Lachlan Table. You should go eat there because the food is delicious. They're a community restaurant, and you should say hi to Hal and Kara. And support White Squirrel Farms. Uh, this is uh, this this is what we do. This is this is this kind of episode, and the last one with Flora and Fauna was so much fun. I tell you, I, uh, I get to pinch myself sometimes. Uh, thank you for the kind words. Some of you messaged me and said, hey, dude, hope you're doing well. And, and I just, I really, really appreciate that. You guys are, uh, you guys are an amazing community. And um, I'm going to keep putting these out there. So <sighs> thank you guys for listening. I hope that you're being safe. Love you guys. Bye.